European Heart Journal, Issue at a Glance, Volume 41, Issue 21, Focus Issue, Arrhythmias, by Editor-in-Chief Professor Thomas Lucia, read to you by Morgan Bryan. Sudden Cardiac Death, Addressing an Unresolved Issue Sudden death is a devastating event for patients and their families. Although the event is common among certain cardiac conditions and patient groups, such as those with acute ischemia, genetic cardiomyopathies, Takotsubo syndrome, channelopathies, sarcoidosis, among others, prediction of such events remains challenging. The introduction of implantable cardioverter defibrillators, or ICDs, has provided an effective preventative measure, but their use is not free of complication, such as inappropriate shocks and infection. In many patients, however, sudden cardiac death occurs out of the blue. Under such circumstances, Bystander cardiopulmonary resuscitation, or CPR, is essential. But out-of-hospital cardiac arrest, without return of spontaneous circulation, despite conventional resuscitation, is common and has poor outcomes, particularly among women. Thus, extracorporeal cardiopulmonary resuscitation has been suggested as a possible adjunctive measure in such patients, as has been successfully used in high-risk pulmonary embolism. Wolfram Bougian from the European Georges Pompidou Hospital in Paris, France and colleagues from the Sudden Death Expertise Centre investigators report the results of such a measure in their article Extracorporeal Cardiopulmonary Resuscitation in Out-of-Hospital Cardiac Arrest, a registry study. In their prospective registry of 13,191 out-of-hospital cardiac arrests in the Paris region, they compared survival at hospital discharge with and without extracorporeal CPR. With 8% with extracorporeal CPR and 9% with conventional CPR, survival was similarly low in both groups. Even after adjusted multivariate analysis, extracorporeal CPR was not associated with hospital survival. By conditional logistic regression with matching on a propensity score, including age, sex, occurrence at home, bystander CPR, initial rhythm, collapse to CPR time, duration of resuscitation, and return to spontaneous circulation, similar results were found. In the extracorporeal CPR group, factors associated with hospital survival were initial shockable rhythm with a hazard ratio of 3.9, unsustained return of spontaneous circulation before ECMO with 2.3, and pre-hospital ECMO implantation with one of 2.9. Thus, in the Paris population-based registry, 4% of out-of-hospital cardiac arrests were treated with extracorporeal CPR, which overall did not improve survival, while early ECMO implantation may improve outcomes. The initial rhythm and return of spontaneous circulation may help select patients for extracorporeal CPR. These important findings are further discussed in a thoughtful editorial by Anthony Gerschlich from the Glenfield Hospital in Leicester, United Kingdom. While data from randomised trials testing neurohumoral blockers suggest a declining incidence of sudden cardiac death among heart failure patients, the extent to which such a trend is present among patients who have received cardiac resynchronization therapy, or CRT, is uncertain. As very long-term survival with CRT has recently reported, this issue is of interest and addressed in the article Time Trends in Sudden Cardiac Death Risk in Heart Failure Patients with Cardiac Resynchronization Therapy a systematic review by Eloy Marion and colleagues from the Hôpital European Georges Pompidou in Paris, France. 
They analysed 53 observational and randomised studies with 22,996 CRT patients. There was a gradual decrease in sudden cardiac death rates since the early 2000s in both randomised and observational studies, with rates falling more than fourfold. The rate of decline was steeper than that of all-cause mortality, and accordingly the proportion of deaths which were due to sudden cardiac death declined over the years. The magnitude of absolute decline in sudden cardiac death was more prominent among patients who had received pacing-only CRT, or CRTP, compared to those who had received CRT-ICD, with the difference in sudden cardiac death rates between CRTP and CRT-ICD decreasing considerably over time. There was a progressive increase in age, use of beta blockers and LV ejection fraction, and conversely a decrease in QRS duration and antiarrhythmic drug use. Thus, sudden cardiac death progressively declined in the CRT heart failure population over time, with a difference between CRTD versus CRTP recipients narrowing considerably. These findings are obviously relevant for the selection of CRTP versus CRT-ICD in the future. Whether the recently published Semmelweis score will be helpful in this regard, as well as many other issues, are outlined further in an insightful editorial by Lars Kober from the University Hospital of Copenhagen in Denmark. The prediction of sudden cardiac death is obviously essential for the identification and proper management of patients at risk. Although an ejection fraction below 35% or 30% is commonly used as a major risk factor, its predictive value is far from satisfactory. Therefore, several risk scores for patients with atherosclerotic vascular disease or cardiomyopathies have been developed, and easily available information is the ECG. Thus, in their article, Simple electrocardiographic measures improve sudden arrhythmic death prediction in coronary disease. Neil Chatterjee and colleagues from the University of Washington in Seattle, Washington, USA, report on behalf of the predetermined investigators whether the combination of standard ECG markers reflecting domains of arrhythmic risk improves sudden and or arrhythmic death risk stratification in patients with coronary artery disease. In the derivation cohort, the five-year cumulative incidence of sudden cardiac death was 1.5% and 6.2% in those with low and high-risk ECG scores, respectively. A high-risk ECG score was more strongly associated with sudden cardiac death than non-arrhythmic mortality, with an adjusted hazard ratio of 2.87 versus 1.38, respectively. The proportion of sudden arrhythmic deaths was greater in the high versus low-risk groups with 24.9% versus 16.5% and confirmed in the validation cohort. The addition of ECG markers to a clinical risk factor model, including LVF improved indices of discrimination and reclassification in both derivation and validation of cohorts, including correct reclassification of 28% of patients in the validation cohort. Thus, for patients with coronary artery disease, the current externally validated ECG score improved risk stratification compared to standard clinical risk factors, including LVEF. These results are put into context in an informative editorial by Brian Olshansky from the University of Iowa in Iowa City, USA. ICDs have markedly improved the outcome of patients at risk for sudden arrhythmic death. Indeed, multiple randomized clinical trials have established the role of ICDs as the mainstay in the treatment of ventricular tachyarrhythmias and sudden cardiac death prevention, and have become an important part of the guideline recommendations. However, patients and device selection are still an issue. As outlined in the review, 
the role of implantable cardioverter defibrillators and sudden cardiac death prevention, indications, device selection and outcome. By Jens Nielsen and colleagues from the University of Rochester Medical Center in Rochester, United States. ICD trials have mainly focused on patients with heart failure and advanced left ventricular dysfunction and were mostly conducted two decades ago, whereas a more recent trial has provided conflicting results. Therefore, much remains to be determined on how best to balance identifying patients at high risk and those who benefit most from an ICD. Indeed, ICDs have multiple features, such as defibrillation-only devices, to more advanced technologies of multi-chamber devices, with physiologic bradycardiac pacing, including cardiac resynchronization therapy, atrial and ventricular therapeutic pacing algorithms, as well as subcutaneous ICDs, suitable for specific patient populations. These options necessitate an individualized approach to device selection and programming, as discussed in detail in this comprehensive review. Although effective in preventing and treating Brady and tachyarrhythmias, pacemakers, ICDs and CRT devices are not without risk. Some of these are infection associated with significant morbidity, increased hospitalization, reduced survival and increased healthcare costs, as comprehensively discussed in the current opinion, EHRA International Consensus Document on how to prevent, diagnose and treat cardiac implantable electronic device infections by Karina Blomström Lundqvist from the University of Uppsala in Sweden and colleagues from the ESC Scientific Document Group. They note that recommended preventative strategies such as administration of intravenous antibiotics before implantation are effective and well recognised. Uncertainties have remained about the role of various preventative, diagnostic and treatment measures such as skin antiseptics, pocket antibiotic solutions, antibacterial envelopes, prolonged antibiotics post-implantation, among others. The present document gives guidance on the use of novel device alternatives, novel oral anticoagulants, antibacterial envelopes, prolonged antibiotics post-implementation, as well as definitions on minimal quality requirements for centres and operators and volumes. This document provides recommendations in optimally managing device infections. This issue is complemented by various discussion forum contributions. In their contribution entitled the role of implantable cardioverter defibrillators in New York Heart Class 1 heart failure patients do not abandon asymptomatic just yet. Cornelius Alhart and colleagues from the Freya Universiteit Medical Center in Netherlands comment on the recent publication. The role of implantable cardioverter defibrillators and sudden cardiac death prevention, indications, device selection and outcome by Ilan Goldenberg and colleagues from the University of Rochester Medical Center in Rochester, United States. Goldenberg et al. respond in a separate comment. In the contribution entitled Animals in Cardiovascular Research Important Role of Rabbit Models in Cardiac Electrophysiology Katja Odening and colleagues from the Hart Center University in Freiburg, Germany comment on the recent CardioPlus contribution Animals in Cardiovascular Research Clinical Relevance and Translational Limitations of Animal Models in Cardiovascular Research by Maximilian Emhert and colleagues from the University of Zurich, Switzerland. Emhert et al. respond in a separate comment. The editors hope that this issue of the European Heart Journal will find the interest of its listeners.